Hey, you're listening to a business podcast called Repeat Customer, and I'm about to go somewhere I've never been before. So let's go into my bathroom and see what we've got here. Okay. I'm standing really close to Barbara Hodder in her small bathroom, which is pretty awkward. Like, we just met. But I'm here because Barbara is a major repeat customer. Let me tell you what you're looking at here. First of all, standing up here is all of the eyeshadow palettes. There's got to be 20, 25 uh, eyeshadows. In front of the eyeshadows, there's a whole bunch of like cleansers and creams. And toners and moisturizers. Absolutely. So this is the Barbara's bathroom counter is covered with cosmetics containers. Cosmetics everywhere. And then she opens the big black case next to the counter. Oh, whoa. Okay, so now we've opened Pandora's box here. Here we've got the foundation primer. This goes on first. And then I like using a tinted moisturizer. All right, so once once we've sort of created our canvas, so to speak, we've got a lip primer, we've got a shadow primer, we've got some concealer here, we've got my mascara. And then over here is the powders and the blushes. I don't even want to ask how long it takes you to leave the house in the morning, but that's just the top shelf. Eye pencils. Eye eye pencils. pencils, Cream eyeshadow, lip pencils over here. Uh, Fancy stuff like glitter. Glitter. This is the lipstick, Uh right? And we have it divided into lipsticks, and then we have the liquid lipsticks over here. I know pretty much nothing about makeup. Apparently, the situation in Barbara's bathroom is not unique, but what I find remarkable is that all of this stuff comes from just one store. Could you... How much... Don't ask that question. I don't even want to think about it. What question am I going to ask? You're going to ask the how much did this all cost you. Well, I I know that... Okay, I'll, I'll be honest. There's a couple thousand dollars worth of makeup here. Maybe even $3,000... Yeah. So you're a Sephora super fan? Is that, can I, can I say that? Yeah, you can say that. I am a Sephora super fan. Sephora. So much Sephora. Welcome to Repeat Customer, an original podcast from Zendesk about great customer experiences, how companies create them, and why their super fans love them so much. My name is Mio Edelman. And Zendesk is a customer service and engagement platform. The people there are kind of obsessed with what goes into great customer experiences, which is why we're looking at Sephora, the makeup chain. But forget about the beauty and cosmetics industry. They're flat out redefining customer experience in general with a fascinating, innovative, you could say futuristic hybrid of retail and digital. Okay. From what I can tell, Sephora is like Disney World for people, mostly women, some men, really into cosmetics, like really into cosmetics. But here's the weird thing, to me at least. Sephora primarily sells other brands, stuff you can also get pretty much anywhere. So why buy it from Sephora? Well, because what's happening at their stores, online and in-app these days, is a total game changer. And we're going to get into all of that. But before we do, I want to tell you about the first time Sephora changed the way people bought beauty products. They've actually changed the game a few times. And since I don't know much about makeup, skincare, whatever, I found someone who does to help me. 
Hi, my name is Lauren Hubbard. I'm a freelance beauty journalist, and I write with many sites, including Fashionista and HarpersBazaar.com. I'm from Texas, and like makeup's a big deal <laughs> down south. We tend to wear more of it than maybe some other sections of the country. <laughs> Lauren remembers what it was like buying makeup before she ever walked into a Sephora. My first foray into the makeup world was like the very traditional, like go to the mall, go to the the beauty counter, get, I think it was Clinique that we went to. And it was like, okay, well you just buy all of their products and you buy whatever they tell you to buy. And that's the thing. Was there pressure from them to stay with one? Oh, definitely. I mean, that's my mother and I, we, when we'll go to like Saks Fifth Avenue, we call the, the beauty section the gauntlet because if you ever get caught by anybody then then you're just like sucked in and you're stuck for 45 minutes at least as they tell you like everything that you're doing wrong and why all of the products that you're using aren't the right products the gauntlet otherwise known as the department store beauty counter a perfumed maze of kiosks fronted by clerks with really shiny skin gently demanding your allegiance to their brand and only their brand in North America, this was pretty much the main way to buy makeup until the very late 1990s. Meanwhile in France, there should always be a meanwhile in France moment in any fashion story. Meanwhile in France, in 1969, a guy named Dominique Mandeneau started a chain of perfumeries called Shop 8. He would later buy a small cosmetics chain called Sephora and merge the two companies under the Sephora brand. Mandano is notable because he revolutionized the way people bought beauty products. He took them out from those cases guarded by the gatekeepers Lauren Hubbard was just talking about, and he encouraged customers to try the products for themselves before buying anything. This new customer experience came to be known as assisted self-service. What's crazy, though, was that this new thing didn't come to the U.S. until 1998, when Sephora opened their first store here in New York City. You could walk in and there were these different aisles dedicated to different brands and they had representatives of the store who could say, yeah, so you like, you know, you like the blush from this brand, but really I think that maybe you would be better off with a stain from these people over here. And it was a model that really encouraged not just consumers to be able to go in and mix and match their experience and to play with it because they had all of these testers out and everything was kind of, for lack of a better term, open source. But it also had, you had salespeople who weren't beholden to any particular brand. This didn't just free up the buying experience. The mixing and matching encouraged people to create their own individual looks it helped that Sephora encouraged their employees to do the same. It sort of encourages a customer to say, okay, I believe this girl who's wearing hot pink lipstick when she tells me that this hot pink lipstick is great because obviously, like, she's somebody who is used to using these things and has a real opinion. So, yeah, I think in that way, they sort of encourage personalization almost via avatar. And key to this emphasis on individuality, or maybe as the result of it, was a recognition of diversity. 
From the beginning, Sephora has sold a lot more products for people of color. Well, not even, not even a lot more, they just had them. <laughs> Hi, my name is Fabienne Rousseau-Valdez. I live in Massachusetts and I am a nurse. What's your background? Primarily Haitian. Oh, really? Oh, cool. cool. Yeah. When you're a person of color, especially when I was young, you couldn't just walk into any drugstore and find what you needed. I remember going on a trip with friends to New York City and seeing a huge Sephora and going, oh my goodness, and like running in. Um, because to me, it was like makeup mecca. <laughs> oh, I can actually find a foundation here. And my skin is pretty light for a person of color. So to not be able to find something is like, really? <laughs> you know, it's like if I walk in with my cousin, I'll be, uh, sorry, we have to go to Sephora because they're not going to have anything for you in Macy's. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Later, this openness extended beyond race to the breaking down of gender norms. Sephora was one of the first brands to embrace trans models. And according to Lauren, this would prove to be very forward looking. Gen Z is poised to be easily the most diverse generation in, in modern history anyway, since we started kind of tracking demographics. Gen Z is the generation after millennials. We're starting to run out of letters. There's, you know, more mixed race kids, more kids who are identifying as queer, gender fluid or gender neutral, or who are just comfortable with saying, yeah, okay, I'm a guy, but you know, maybe I would just like something to cover up this zit and you know, that's, that's okay. That doesn't make me a girl because I put on cover up or whatever. So this was the first time Sephora changed the way people bought beauty products they liberated makeup from those glass cases. And over time, we used it to help liberate ourselves from traditional notions of beauty and identity. This kind of huge shift within the retail customer experience of the cosmetics industry had a larger cultural impact, which is kind of amazing to think about. But in changing the way people bought beauty products for a second time, Sephora would become a leading example of innovative customer experience for companies in any retail industry. This second disruption, still ongoing, is a digital one that has seen Sephora be an early adopter of cutting-edge technologies. In 1999, Sephora launched a US-facing online store. After that, they started a popular customer loyalty program called Beauty Insider in 2003, giving exclusive status and benefits to top spending customers. And I might be standing in one of those customers' bathrooms right now. I am a VIB Rouge, so I'm, I'm at the toppest level of their loyalty program. Wait, what does VIB mean? VIB, a very important beauty. Okay, so you're, you are in, an, in a very exclusive club. But there's more of me out there, people you don't even know about, and then they all get together and they get really excited about makeup at these events. When you're out in public, do you ever see another person and go, that's a VIB member? Yeah, you can kind of tell by how well their face is done and how long it probably took them to do. Yeah, you can tell. Beauty Insider eventually led to something called Beauty Talk in 2010. And it was basically the place where you could come, ask questions, give advice, get advice, and just kind of hang out. So I first started going there in 2010. <laughs> 
And it was a time in my life where I had just experienced a tremendous personal loss. Um, I had lost a child. And for me, it was a place where I could connect with people who weren't going to kind of tiptoe around me. And I could have a good time, no expectations, make really good connections and make friends and talk about something that I really enjoyed. I'm usually pretty skeptical of social networks created by brands. It just seems like a marketing idea that almost never offers a satisfying or deep user experience. But with Beauty Talk, which was later changed to BIC, short for Beauty Insider Community, Fabian and many others experienced real community around a shared passion for makeup. People will get on there and ask for advice. Oh, I'm thinking about getting uh, this lipstick. Does anybody have swatches of it comparing it to this lipstick from this other brand? And people will post pictures of that and comment about it. And there's a lot of just sharing of ideas um, and sharing of resources, really. And this community was also an invaluable resource for Sephora to study its customers. And it produced some pretty surprising insights. They're realizing that the consumer, the hyper-connected consumer, is, there's, there is no offline and online. It's all one experience. Hello, my name is Brian Solis. I am a principal analyst at Altimeter, which is a profit company. I'm also a futurist there and uh, try to keep busy by writing books and speaking about the future of business and society. So what Sephora did is they started to integrate all of the groups that were responsible for the customer experience. They actually created new operating models, which I think is a shining light example of what a lot of these retailers are not doing, which is you uniting around this hybrid customer, not assuming that they're digital for 15 minutes out of the day and then maybe mobile for a couple hours and then maybe physical over here, that it's all one and it should act as all one and everybody should be connected on the Sephora side and on the retailer side to cater to this this very demanding and very sophisticated consumer. Their digital transformation started with this unification around the customer. As digital creeped further into our lives, customers were having one retail experience, but conducting different parts of it in different ways, all at the same time. And no one was really focused on making that a more seamless experience. A lot of times I'll do my research for what I want, uh, to look at in person online. I'll per peruse the website and then I'll add it to my, what they have called a loves list where you can add the things that you're interested in. And then when I go to the store, I'll be like, oh, I'll go into the um, app and say, you know, where is this available within 50 miles of my location? And that way I'll choose which one to go to. And then uh, I'll know that they have it. Then I can just say, can you direct me to where XYZ, product XYZ is? And then they'll find it for me. Um, so I use it to kind of pre-plan. So Fabian's online research might happen on Sephora's website or YouTube tutorials from Sephora-sponsored influencers, that sort of thing. Now, with most products these days, one might just finish the transaction online right there. But in this case, retail remains a vital part of the customer experience because makeup is so personal. There are certain things you need to touch and feel before buying. So Fabian's wish list gets uploaded to the mobile app on her phone, and she walks into the bricks and mortar location to have a real life interaction with a Sephora cast member, as they're called. But she's also still using Sephora's mobile app as a reference in the store. 
there's a live chat with other customers feature where you can ask a, like another community member their opinion on a product if you're looking for it and you're looking to try it you know what's the best you know mascara or what did you think of this particular skin treatment and then get feedback and that can help you make your decision about what to purchase from from within the app yeah this has a name it's called the assistance economy uh, or the or the age of assistance but where most companies are still not set up to succeed in fact they're more likely to fail is that as choice becomes more pervasive uh, as customers have more options and more sources to help them make those choices you're either part of that decision or you're not part of that decision. So the age of assistance, uh, as we're calling it, is an opportunity for brands to reverse engineer the questions that people are asking where they're going and to ensure that there's advertising and content and apps or uh, mobile sites that help them connect the dots and lead them to that retail experience. Sephora now does much of this reverse engineering in their innovation lab in San Francisco's Dogpatch District. They've come up with a bunch of stuff that straddles this weird new divide of retail, mobile, and online. They use artificial intelligence, augmented reality, RFID trips, and a bunch of different kinds of technology. And the team there is developing and pitching really cutting-edge digital solutions and customer service experiences with the goal of adding value to its customers. Hi, my name is Allison Denisco-Rayom, and I'm a staff writer and deputy editor at Tech Republic. I cover leadership, digital transformation, and cybersecurity. You can really start online with something like Support Virtual Artist, which is something that you can pull up on their app on your phone. It you know, can map your face digitally, and you can try on makeup virtually, which it also helps narrow down you know, what colors look best on you, what products you're looking for. Every single color of a virtual product matches the product in real life. And so now on the Virtual Artist, you can match with more than 20,000 products sold at Sephora. So it's really a wide range. But they also have some specific things in the store that you wouldn't be able to find online. In two New York City stores, Sephora has something called Tap and Try. So this basically looks like a mirror on an end cap at the store, and you can go up to it and pick any lip product or lash product that's on the display. And when you look into this mirror, it can virtually look like it's trying it on your face. So basically the mirror scans your face with RFID technology and augmented reality, and you can see what the makeup will look like when you try it on without actually trying it on physically. To put this into context for a moment, I'm still ordering pizzas by phone. I mean, I feel like I'm living in a completely different century, while people like Barbara Hodder, that Sephora superfan, are in some alternate futuristic reality. So Sephora now has the ability to color match your foundation to your skin with this cool product called uh, Color IQ. And it's um, essentially a scanner for your skin. So they scan your skin tone and then this computer program will suggest the different foundation products and brands that match your skin tone perfectly because there's so many colors out there. There's so many different shades of skin. You wanna be able to have the right product. But in the thousands of colors, how do you find that right match? And you you did it? I've done it. It's it's wonderful. It worked like it, it it taught you something about your face or about your color that you might not have known before? Yeah, it told me exactly what I need to be buying to save time. There's also a moisture meter that tells you how oily or dry your skin is so you can choose the best kind of moisturizer. 
And some stores have Fragrance IQ. It lets you test a bunch of scents using a dry air delivery system so you can avoid a perfume-induced headache. And if you go to a store with beacons, you can get kind of a notification on your app. So if I'm shopping for lipstick, say, I can use Virtual Artist to decide a few shades that I like that look good on me. I put them in my cart. I walk into a store with the beacon. And if I have it enabled on the app, it'll tell me, oh, two of these three shades are in the store right now. You can go try them on in person. Or you have this coupon right now that you can use if you want to come in and shop. This is all totally mind-boggling. It's like a sci-fi makeover station on Mars, but we're talking about cosmetics. This mashup of technology and makeup is so jarring to me. Makeup seems like such an analog thing. Powders, paints. How is a beauty company, the one innovating retail instruments well ahead of other seemingly more tech-savvy industries? Female mobile shoppers represent the, the majority of research and often decision makers and when you look at, especially in the beauty industry, when you look at how those behaviors play out, uh, you can see exactly what you would need to do. Sephora's customer experience is well ahead of the game, and, and rightly so, because the thing about customer experience that they get that most miss is that they're looking at the customer's experience as a possessive experience, meaning that it's yours, it's mine, and they're designing it as if it was ours. They're very data driven, they're very technology driven. So I, I don't I don't know that they would tell you anything other that they just care about her. And when I say her, that's what they refer to when they're talking about their customer is her. They're hyper focused on her. And so when they're in that innovation lab, are they role playing? Like do they walk through it to have her experience and then come up with the digital assistance that you're talking about? Yes, but they also have her go through the experience as well. And there's there's many hers. It's like a storyboard, uh, if you will, for, say, a Disney or Pixar movie. You're not writing the stories until after you've created the characters and the depth of the characters and an understanding of them and making sure that they're believable and there's there's a there's something that you could attach your own emotions to them. So that's a process that when you go through the customer journey when you're looking at the different faces and behaviors of a digital customer or let's just say the hybrid customer uh you're categorizing them into these different character sets to go through the experience so that it's playing out in a way that's natural to them, right? And this is this is key. Wow. So they actually have peep they they bring segments of the population in and watch how they interact in the retail space. Oh yeah, and there's good old-fashioned interviews too. They still they still do things the way you should, which is get get input from people. But also a lot of the startups that they work with are their target demographics and psychographics. So this is, they, they get they get the best of both worlds. I mean, they live in an area where innovation is what we have for breakfast. Sephora's American head office and innovation lab are in San Francisco, next to Silicon Valley, which is the center of the world's startup universe. And not only is Sephora employing similar tech strategies as really big startups, those startups want to play in Sephora's sandbox. These companies are founded by people who want to solve problems that they have. And so they innovate to create solutions for their unique problems. Sephora can plug in 
these startups into their ecosystem to explore how Sephora can partner with these types of companies to cater to needs that they might not have seen in the customer journey because these trends are starting to take off in new directions. They have access to Instagram, right? Everybody's in everybody's backyards, but because they have an innovation center, that also invites startups from all over the world to want to be part of this ecosystem because they want to test and learn their technologies in a retail environment or in a digital environment or in a mobile environment. So again, in radically altering the beauty and cosmetics customer experience, Sephora is having a larger impact, collaborating with and influencing other industries. If you want to be like Sephora, it has to start with a genuine desire to care and, and, and a genuine just ambition to change how things are done today. And that's why this is not easily replicable. You have to care about how someone's different than what you know, challenge your own conventions and beliefs, have a team that supports that experimentation and treat innovation like an investment, not a cost center, uh, and tie real ROI to those experiments. And I think what you'll see is that you're on the right path to becoming a Sephora or a Starbucks or Domino's because they all took the same steps. I guess the lesson for me in all of this is never judge a person or even a company by just their makeup because there's probably a lot more going on underneath the surface that I'm not seeing. Um, How's that? That was unbelievable. You are an opera singer. Barbara Hodder is a trained opera singer. She's also a reservist in the Navy. She's studying for her MBA. And she's a Sephora super fan who has more makeup than I've ever seen before in my life. So you live in this condo with your husband. And all I see in this bathroom on the counters, underneath the sink, in the cupboards, are beauty products. Where's his stuff? His stuff is right over here. So... Look it. Here's his toothpaste and his deodorant. His toothpaste and his deodorant. And his his razor. hidden behind, hidden behind all of your stuff. And his Listerine. His stuff is here. Does he ever accidentally uh, mess up your makeup uh, organization? No, he knows not to touch it. Absolutely, he does not even go over here. This is a no-go zone. Okay, you've been listening to Repeat Customer by Zendesk, a show about how customer-focused companies create great customer experiences. We post a new episode every two weeks. And if you're looking to elevate your company's customer service game, check out Zendesk.com because the best customer experiences are built on Zendesk. And you can learn more about this podcast at Zendesk.com slash repeat customer. Thanks for listening.